This is what we're talking about tonight. This is perfect. What is truth? What is a vegetable? You know, do vegetables even exist? <laughs> yeah. What makes something a salad? We've had this debate many times in our house. What makes it a salad? No. So you put a salad on your sandwich? Lettuce in a bowl. It's not a salad. Don't get me started on this, okay? We have very passionate positions on what constitutes a salad or not. All right. Thanks, Bria, for leading us in that game. Tonight, uh, as I mentioned last month, uh, so we're finishing up our Worldview series. Last message, we've been doing this, uh, we started in January talking about the Word of God and how important it is, uh, and then we just walked through uh, a biblical worldview, and we've gotten into some more details the last several months. I know it's gotten a little bit thicker, a little deeper. Um, maybe this, you know, maybe if you're in middle school right now, you're not thinking about some of these things just yet, and they're a little hard to understand, like moral relativism, uh, you know, or these gender issues. But I do want to prepare you as you get ready for high school, and if you're high school, you may be having some of these things you're talking about with friends or thinking through. So I know some of these have gotten a little bit thicker, a little deeper. Um, I think what we're going to do in the new year is we're going to start a series on Hebrews, um, because we're doing a, a read through the Bible and a year plan uh, as a church with CCK. And I thought Hebrews would be nice to kind of put our Bibles together, our Old and New Testaments. So I think some of those will be a little bit easier for you. But I know we're a little bit in the weeds right now. But as I mentioned last month, tonight I want to talk about tolerance. Um, it's a massive issue today when it comes to our worldview and how we relate to people who disagree with us. And if that's even possible right now. And hopefully this message a little bit will help you understand how they see you when you talk to them and you're giving them uh, moral absolutes or the reality of these things we believe that there's a God and we've sinned against this holy God and he sent a savior to die for our sins and he rose again from the dead and, and he's calling us to turn from these things that God says are sinful and wrong and evil and to trust in Christ and so we're coming to them with this message of the gospel and our culture right now is telling us that this is intolerant. This is hate speech. It's hateful that you're saying I'm doing something wrong. So I want to kind of help you understand a biblical view of tolerance and a biblical view of kind of what we're talking about and applying our worldview as we go out into the community. So to start out, I wanted to show you a video that went viral a few years ago called, Can a Five Foot Nine White Guy Be a Six Foot Five Chinese Woman? It's the name of the video. It's an interview this guy did. It's about four minutes long, so this will help kind of tee up our conversation tonight. It's like the third time I've watched that, and it makes me laugh every time. But I think it's revealing. I love, I love the hesitation, you know, because you know when he's asking these questions that there's just objective truth and you see where he's going at getting at male and female should they just be able to say whatever they want so I can just say six or five I can say I'm seven years old and the hesitation is because they know it's not true but they cannot tell him he is wrong so they they're not willing to say no you're not those things you're wrong 
and that's our culture's view of tolerance right now. That's how they define tolerance. So we talked about this several months ago, but it's a fruit of moral relativism, which is basically that each person decides in their own eyes what is right or wrong. And we've taken that and said our identity is based on our subjective feelings and not objective reality. Because we've decided not to believe in an authority outside of ourselves, being God, where we started our worldview series. So we don't believe in God. And so we have become our ultimate authority. And whatever I feel is what determines what reality is. And then, as that's applied in our culture, that means that you, since I'm the ultimate authority and I get to decide who I am and I say who I am and gender and size and everything, then you cannot disagree with that because the authority is within myself and no one else has any authority to tell me I'm wrong. Now, as Christians, we believe Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we believe John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And we believe Acts 4, 12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And these are exclusive claims outside of us. And they, they, they speak to the reality of who we are and who we must believe in to be saved. But increasingly, any claim to truth is going to be seen as intolerant. So the question you're going to get is why are Christians so intolerant? And I want to help equip you to answer that question because it's coming. Why are Christians so intolerant? So what do we do? Well, what I want to do tonight, a couple of things. I want to look at a biblical view of tolerance, maybe what people call a classical view of tolerance versus our culture's view. And then I just want to talk about how we as Christians disagree with people. And how do we love people? How do we have a dialogue with somebody if my first step towards them, they think I'm intolerant and hateful and angry? You know, what what can I do to get through that barrier to even talk about God and sin and Christ and share the gospel with them if their first instinct is to think you are being hateful and I don't even want to talk to you. So how do we get through that instinct? There's a couple of things I want to talk about tonight. So the first thing is to fight for and to understand a biblical view of tolerance. And we have to do this even to have a conversation with people about the gospel and our worldview. So it's kind of my definition of biblical tolerance. Biblical tolerance is to live peaceably with people we disagree with. So somebody we disagree with, we think we we can live peaceably. We can have a conversation. We can have a relationship. We can love, you know, each other. We can talk to one another. I can care for this person. We can live peaceably with people we, we disagree with. Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And so tolerance Our view of tolerance can really only be applied when we disagree with someone. We disagree with each other, but I'm going to choose to be at peace with you even though we disagree with somebody. A great example of this is uh, Max Stiles. So Max Stiles is coming to the men's conference this weekend. Hopefully you've signed up. I think you can still sign up at this point. But Max Stiles was doing ministry for many years in Dubai, and him and his church 
began this uh, ministry, this conversation. They called it the Muslim Christian Dialogue, where they would bring in an expert in Islam, and they would bring in a Christian pastor, and they would have this dialogue just talking to one another and say, here's what Islam says about God. Here's what it says about forgiveness. Here's what it says about what it means to go to heaven. And then the Christian would get up and say, well, I disagree with that, you know, and here's what it really means. And they would have this wonderful conversation with this full auditorium. It was a live stream. Thousands of people watched it. But they were, they were tolerant towards each other. They could have a conversation, disagree with one another, and talk through the points of disagreement, which is what we want to do. We want to love people. And we disagree with them. We want to have a conversation. You know, we want to draw them out about why they believe what they believe. Unfortunately, our cultural definition of tolerance is that all beliefs must be treated as equally true. Okay? Which means you can't disagree with somebody. Our culture's view of tolerance is you have to believe. You have to agree with me that what I believe is true. You can't disagree with me. You can't tell me I'm not these things. You can't tell me I'm not what I say I am. That's what you saw coming out in that video. You can't tell somebody you're wrong. I disagree with you. That is wrong. What you did is wrong. Because to tell somebody what they're doing is wrong is viewed as intolerant. Here's a quote from the, the book, the uh, some of the moms studied this past summer, Mama Bear Apologetics. It, they say, tolerance has essentially been relegated to a place of neutrality where a person is prohibited from having strong convictions about anything. The only strong conviction a person is permitted to have is to say that everyone is equally right. That's the only value our culture upholds is that everybody's right. Deny anyone's right and you are intolerant. Now, last month, we talked about as Christians having strong convictions. That, that's what we've been doing. We've been going back to God's Word and saying, this is what I believe because God says this. So you take that and you apply it to the culture's view of intolerance, and automatically we're intolerant because we're saying, you're not right, you're wrong. I'm not right, I'm wrong. God is right, God is true. What God says is our authority. And so it goes, our culture's view of tolerance. You have to, and what's sad about our culture right now is not only can you not disagree with somebody about these things, but now they've gone the next step and said, you have to actually affirm that I'm saying is true. So I'm not going to let you just say, I disagree with this and go your own way, but you have to say, yes, what you're doing is right, and I affirm you, and I celebrate that. And as Christians, we can't do that. We can't rejoice in wrongdoing and sin and evil and rebellion against God. We have biblical convictions. They drive our view of what's right and wrong. We do not have the authority. God has the authority. And so as believers, one of our core tenets of our worldview is we're under the authority of God. And so we cannot affirm them. We can't celebrate what they're doing. We can love them. We can have a conversation. We can pray for them. But we can't affirm and celebrate how they're living. So how do we think about this as Christians? How do we respond? You know, how do we think through? I'm accused of being hateful, intolerant, because I believe in right and wrong. And I believe God decides. The first question I asked is, how does God think about this? How does God think about tolerance and tolerating somebody who's wrong? Or even 
You can ask the question, how does God think about us if we tolerate or affirm something that's wrong? And I was thinking about this scripture in Revelation 2, which we have for you tonight. This is to the, the seven churches that John, the Apostle John, is writing to. And each church, pretty much almost each church, has something they're doing well and something they're doing wrong. And he says this, it says, And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, The words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance, and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. It's Jesus Christ addressing this church, telling them, there's these good things. You have this love and you, you have your, your works, you're, you're patient and you're, you serve others. But Jesus says, this I have against you, you tolerate this woman Jezebel. And now that's obviously not her real name. That's an Old Testament reference. But there was somebody in their church who was teaching false things and was seducing people and practicing sexual immorality. And Jesus says, what I have against you is you're tolerating this false teaching and sin. You know, maybe their love lacked discernment. Maybe they loved and just overlooked any wrong and had this view of like, well, we're just going to love everybody and never tell anybody any bad news of what they've done wrong. I don't know the, the details there, but obviously this church is falling short in that they're tolerating sin, the sin of immorality and idolatry. And I like how Jesus addresses her and says, you know, I gave her time to repent, which I think is important when we're thinking through tolerating sin you know Jesus says I gave her time to repent she's been addressed and she refuses to repent of her sin and yet you continue to tolerate her so as Christians one of our things is we we cannot tolerate things God hates we can't sit there and say it's okay and I affirm this and I celebrate this and I agree with this we can't do that as Christians Because God doesn't tolerate those things. He doesn't affirm sin. He doesn't celebrate sin. He doesn't celebrate immorality. He says, repent of these things. This is evil. This is against me. It it bears my wrath. You know, it's a wicked thing. And so we, we don't tolerate those things. We give people time to repent. But as Christians, I just want to be real clear. Because you're you're going to be called. This culture is going to call you to affirm them in their sin. And celebrate it. You have to have a conviction to say, I can't, can't celebrate sin. Can't be tolerant according to their definition of tolerance. I can love you. I can talk to you. I can pray for you. But I can't say that what you're doing is right. I can't affirm you in what you're doing. This is what Charles Spurgeon says. He says, beware of thinking lightly of sin. At the time of conversion, the conscience is so tender that we are afraid of the slightest sin. Young converts have a holy timidity, a godly fear of offending God. But sadly, very soon, the fine bloom upon these first ripe fruits is removed by the rough handling of the surrounding world. 
The sensitive plant of young piety turns into a willow in later life, too pliable, too easily yielding. And this is what our culture is, is calling us to do. It's to yield. And what I see happening is I see all these Christians, even, even people I respected who are beginning to yield. And they're getting pressure and they're getting persecuted. And so they're beginning to twist God's word and to say, oh, well, this is okay. And yeah, we can make an allowance for this. And surely God wouldn't hate this if you truly love this other person, then it must be okay. And they're, they're forsaking God's word and they're actually giving in to sin. They're tolerating sin. And in Revelation, God calls them out for doing that. And really, when you think about it, when we talk about worldview and tolerance and our culture's view of tolerance, really the offensive part of our message is that we're calling people sinners. We're saying you are a sinner in need of a Savior. You've done wrong. You've disobeyed. You've rebelled against God. You haven't upheld His law. You haven't done things right. Now, one of the things we say is, I'm with you because I'm in, I was in the same boat you are. I sinned against God and I rebelled and I was selfish and arrogant and proud and immoral. And I pursued joy in the things of this world rather than God. So I'm not, I'm not looking down on you like I'm somehow better than you. I'm in the same boat. But I had to admit I'm a sinner against a holy God. It's very interesting to me that if you share the gospel with somebody, you should try this sometime. Just Find a friend, find a neighbor, find somebody on the street and share the gospel with them. And I promise you, you will never have anybody argue with you that God loves them. If you come up to them and you say, did you know God loves you? Say, heck yeah, I knew that. Of course I knew that. What's not to love about me? That's not the offensive part of our message. But if you go up to somebody and you tell them, do you know you've sinned against a holy God and his wrath is coming down upon you if you do not turn from your sins. That's the offensive part of our message. That's when they say, you're being intolerant. You're being unloving to say that I'm doing something wrong when I've decided that these things are right. And so we have to talk about sin with people. We can't tolerate sin. We can't say it's okay. You know, we, we have to call people to repentance and faith. And we can love them and care for them and while calling them to repentance and faith. So we have this different view of tolerance. So we have to kind of get to a point where we can even have a conversation and, and even tell people my view of tolerance is that we can disagree with each other and still have a, a, a conversation about this. Your view of tolerance is that I'm hateful to disagree with you and that's just not true. Okay, so, so how do we love people who are in their sin and offended to be told they're wrong. This is a very hard thing to do. And I think we have to hold on to a biblical view of what love really means. We have to hold on to a biblical view of what love really means. We have to go back to our worldview. Because in this culture of intolerance, in this culture of what their view of intolerance is, they say to love somebody is to affirm them as they are. That's loving. So to celebrate what I choose to be and to agree with me and rejoice with me, that's loving. Well, we have a different definition of love. We think to truly love somebody is to call them back and away from their sin. Okay? 
Freeman, come here for a second, okay? You're the closest person here. I'm going to use you as an illustration, okay? You don't have to do anything. All you got to do is stand on stage, okay? So let's welcome Freeman as my living illustration, okay? So let's say Freeman is walking this direction, okay? And let's say, just stop there, off the stage here is a huge pit filled with lava, with lava alligators and sharks with lasers on their heads living in this pit, okay? So if Freeman is walking this way and he steps off this thing, he goes into that pit and dies, okay? Our culture's view is, kind of like in that video, like, okay, yeah, you, you want to go in? Okay, you want to walk that direction? Okay, I love you, you know, have fun. Like, I affirm you in your decision. That's our, that's our culture's view of love. Our view of love is, if I see this person and they're heading in this destruction, and their lives, we know this isn't the best thing for their lives because God tells us what's best is to worship Him. We've been created to glorify and enjoy God. That's our worldview. God's the best. Heaven's the best. That's what we were created for. Here's my friend, Freeman, and he's heading this way and he's heading towards this pit. If I love him, I'm not going to push him. Okay, I'm still holding on. I'm not going to push him off the side. If I love Freeman, I'm going to say, Freeman, you don't want to go that direction. Okay, this is the way. Let's say this way is heaven and it's being with the Lord and it's bliss. If we love somebody, nobody who really loves Freeman, if you hate Freeman, you're going to do this right here and give him a good kick. But if you love him, you're going to turn him around. Okay, thank you, Freeman. You did a great job. You are a great illustration. So our view of love is if I love this person, I can't lie to them. I can't affirm them in their decision to sin against a holy God. I can't encourage them to do that. I myself would be disobeying God. I would be tolerating like this church in Thyatira did in Revelation chapter 2. So I, I, I can't encourage them. I can't, you know, affirm their decision to disobey against God. I want to do everything in my power to show them there's a better way. There is a God who loves them. And it's not because he affirms them in their decision. It's because he sent his only son to die for their sins. That's, that's, that's what biblical love, it's sacrifice. It's laying down his life for our sake. This is 1 John 4.10. It says, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He propitiated God's wrath. He turned God's wrath into favor because he loved us. And so as Christians, our Christian worldview is we have to tell people the truth. We can't affirm them in their sin. We have to tell them they've sinned against God. That's part of the gospel message. So finally, this is where I kind of want to land tonight. How do we do that with somebody who already assumes I'm a hateful, intolerant bigot because I disagree with them. I'm a homophobic bigot because I think that what they're doing is sin against a holy God. And this is where I think our tone matters. And this is where I think in society today, what you guys see a lot of, and I don't want you picking this up, is man, you click on any social media site. You click on Facebook or Instagram. I've never been on TikTok, so I don't know if you can even leave comments on there, but I'm assuming this is on there because it's everywhere. You click on the Nextdoor app. 
you click on Twitter. It is just people who are just accusing each other and harsh and angry and it's personal and they're calling each other names and they're calling assuming the worst thing about the person I mean it's just this animosity this anger is coming out that's kind of the culture we live in and one of the things scripture calls us to do as Christians is to be kind and gentle and patient doesn't mean that we affirm that person and say yeah this is great you know but it means that our tone our consideration for them, our care for them, how we pray for them, how we talk to them, you know, how we take time to talk through these issues with them. Uh, it has to be done in a way that totally goes against their view of us. Because if their first instinct when we say that we're a Christian is to think, man, you're a hateful bigot, and they come across somebody who is kind and considerate and generous and thoughtful and concerned about them and loving them more than you love yourself, the way you're acting totally goes against their presupposition about the kind of person you are. Here's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. This is in the context of spiritual gifts in the local church, but I think you can apply it all kinds of areas of life. Okay, it's not just for weddings. This is for life. 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast it's not arrogant or rude. We don't have to be rude to people to, to talk about the gospel. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. I mean, that's like every message board there is, irritable and resentful, you know? It's, love is not those things. And here's the other thing, though. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Scripture has this over and over. Our tone can match what God's love says about what Christ has done for us because we recognize we're the worst of sinners and he's had mercy on us and he's forgiven us and he's been patient with us. And so our tone needs to be kind. We're accused of being intolerant. And so we really have to fight to, to be kind to people and love them and to be considerate and thoughtful even when they're in their sin, even when they're rebelling against God. We can still be kind to them. We don't have to be arrogant. We don't have to be rude to them. We can pray for them and be thoughtful and kind and do thoughtful acts of service to them while also sharing the gospel and saying, you know, I disagree with this. And because I, I, a, I worship the Lord and I believe God's word is my authority. And this is what God says about this. Can I share with you what I think God says? And I know people think that's intolerant, but I think we can disagree and have a conversation about what we believe. And the reason this is so tricky, I think, and here's my last thing I'll say because we're out of time now, but for the teens, the temptation I see you guys running into is to affirm somebody and to encourage them and to not disagree with them. We can be deceived into thinking that sounds compassionate. It sounds loving to not tell somebody they're sinning against God. You know, and, and, and what they're saying is that they're claiming that they're the compassionate ones. We're tolerant. You know, their view of tolerance is we affirm people and we encourage them and that's real compassion because that's who they really are on the inside. And I see teens going, well, isn't this compassionate to do this? And I just want to remind you, true what biblical love is, is what God did for us on the cross. It doesn't ignore sin. It, it tells us we're sinful, but it, it provides a solution for our sin. 
It gives us an opportunity to repent and turn from our sin and experience something better than our sin. Final quote by Sean McDowell. This is what he says. He says, if you actually want people to develop a different view of tolerance, build relationships with them. Show them that you're kind. Show them that you care about them. Show them that you have convictions so you don't deny being a Christian or deny your convictions and yet still value them as people. I love that. Holding these two things together. I have these biblical convictions, but I love you and I value you and I want you to experience the joy that I have in Jesus Christ. And so my encouragement to you, especially teens tonight, is to hold on to these biblical convictions. Don't let them go. You can have a firm grasp on biblical convictions. And yet you can still love people and be kind to them and share with them and hold out the truth to them. You can be loving towards them. And I just want to prepare you because as soon as you do this, someone is going to claim you're being intolerant and hateful and a bigot. And I want you to know, no, this is who God is. He tells us to turn away from our sins. God's not hateful. He's loving. You know, God's not a bigot. God loves his people. He sent his son to die for us. So have great confidence in what God has called you to do. And you're going to have to fight a little bit. Maybe even just to how people view tolerance. So that was kind of a, I know that's kind of a little more practical. But I, I want us to get into a little bit of how do we apply this worldview, these convictions? How do we live this out in the world around us? And this is the biggest issue I see is this view of tolerance and how you have to have a biblical view of tolerance. So, uh, what we're going to do now is have a little time of discussion as families. Um, I felt like I didn't do a very good job coming up with discussion questions. Uh, so, you can come up some on your own. You know, you, you don't have to use my questions. You can say, hey, what did you think about this? And I was thinking about that point, And I was trying to get to somehow where you guys experience this in your life and you've encountered this. Now, I realize that there's a big difference between a middle schooler and a high schooler on some of these issues. So for a middle schooler, uh, your biggest disagreement may be like, is Milky Way better than Snickers right now? And you got in a fight at school about which one is better. In high school, you may be dealing with gender issues or have a friend who's, who's uh, saying they're homosexual and they want you to affirm them that that's okay. And, so these conversations may go differently, I realize, based on your age and schooling. But here's kind of some discussion questions to talk through. Come up with better ones if you got them. Uh, have you been in a disagreement with anyone lately? And what was it about? And how could you walk through the disagreement differently? So how can you be kind and thoughtful and tolerant towards that person in a biblical way of disagreeing with them but doing it in a kind way? Why do you think telling people they are sinful is so offensive to people? And why is it necessary as a Christian to talk about sin? And then finally, is there anything in 1 Corinthians 13 you would like to grow in? So patience, kindness, not envying or boasting, not being arrogant or rude, not rejoicing at wrongdoing. So you can look back through that verse kind of think through if there's any of those things that apply to you. So we're going to do this in families. Uh, if your family's not here, your parents aren't here, you can just jump in with someone around you. They'd love to include you in their conversation. We've got about 10 minutes, and then I'll come back up and uh, pray for us and dismiss us after that.